Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Revelation 2. Not all male is created equal. Some male gets thrown straight into that circular filing cabinet known as your trash can. Some mail gets immediately opened up because it's something you're interested in, perhaps from someone that you love. Some mail is pretty serious. Maybe you get a letter from this thing with the initials IRS, or maybe you get something that looks legal from a judge or a lawyer or something like that. Some mail comes with an apparent seriousness to it. Well, imagine and remember the Jesus that we saw yesterday, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the vision of Jesus that we see in Revelation chapter 1. Now imagine getting a letter from him. Hmm, how serious is that? Well, that is basically what we see here today in Revelation chapter 2, and we'll also see it in Revelation chapter 3. It's clear that John was to write down uh, what he saw and was to send it to seven churches. And you see seven churches and uh, that there's seven stars, which are the angels. Now, the word for angel can mean messenger. And so I think it's likely in this case, it's speaking to the messenger or perhaps the pastor of these churches. Uh, And these churches were all in Asia Minor, where what we would think of as the modern day country of Turkey. And they were on a postal route, you know, where they would have delivered all of these messages along this postal route. And while all churches seem to get what John gets in these visions, there's something specific said to each church. And so today and tomorrow, we'll be looking at these seven letters to the seven churches of Revelation. And I think this is really the section of the book that, going back to that divine outline in chapter 1, that these are the things that are. And I do think these are real letters written to real churches there at the end of the first century, but I do think what we see in these letters to churches will apply to many churches throughout history, because we see some variety of these uh, in these seven churches. And what these churches are struggling with will continue to be ongoing struggles, I think, for the church throughout the church age. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at these letters, four in chapter two, and with each one, I have a primary question for you to ask. Now, just as you read these letters, I want you to ask one question for each of these to examine yourself and to examine your own heart. So let's start with the church in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus should be familiar to you. We see Paul spend a significant amount of time there in uh, the book of Acts. We have read the letter to the Ephesians. That's the church at Ephesus. And we've read First and Second Timothy, which Paul writes to his protege, Timothy, who was, it looks like, uh, the pastor now of the church in Ephesus. Of course, it's probably much earlier than this. So we've come across the church of Ephesus several times. Most of these other churches will not be the same way. But the question I want you to ask yourself with the church of Ephesus is this, do you love Jesus? 
Do you love Jesus? And the letter to the church at Ephesus, to me especially, stands out. It's one that can be particularly haunting, I think, and particularly convicting because it's it's unsettling to some extent to see here's a church that is commended for doing the right thing and it's commended for believing the right thing, but it is rebuked for lacking love. Now that's kind of concerning because you might think oh, if I'm if I'm doing the right thing and if I'm believing the right thing, I got to be doing it right, right? I mean, how can I be in error if I'm literally doing what God calls me to do and believing what God tells me to believe? And that's where Ephesians reminds us it's not just what you believe, it's not even just what you do. Jesus wants your heart. And you see this in the book uh, Verse two in the letter, I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. Look at that con commendation, right? Those are positive things that he is saying to the church in Ephesus. Those are things that we should all say, man, I wish Jesus would say those things to me. I wish Jesus would say that I'm enduring patiently and bearing up for his name's sake. But then he says this in verse four, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Wow, that is significant. Now, there's some questions here. Um, Does this mean love for God? Does this mean love for Christ? Does this mean love for others? And it doesn't necessarily specify. It just uses the word love. But I do want you to ask the question, do you love Jesus? Because I think if we look at all uh, that we see in the New Testament, well, if you have a love for Jesus, you will have a love for his people. We're going back to what we said yesterday. Your view of Christ is going to determine your view of the church. And so he's saying you have lost the love that you had at first. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe there's times where you felt, you know what? There's no big sin in my life that all of a sudden I've gotten into some secret sin and I'm not drifting off into heresy. But even maybe you sense in your own heart, man, I don't seem to have that love that I once had for Christ. And that can be a frustrating place to be because we think of love sometimes even as a feeling and an emotion. And it's like, how do I get that feeling back? And that's where the solution that he gives us isn't some, you know, ethereal thing about how to get some feeling back. It's really instructive on what we are to do. He says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. So do you want to get back to that place? There's a three-step plan given by Jesus to get you back there. Remember, repent, and do what you did at first. And so if if you're struggling to say, man, I, I don't know if I love Jesus, and maybe perhaps like I once did, well, God has given you the answer. Remember, what, what, what is it that you did then? And, and repent and do those things that you did at first. Because that is a serious thing. He goes on to say, If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And we see how they were standing against the work of some false teachers. But do you love Jesus? Now, one thing that we see here in every letter to these churches is there's some kind of promise at the end. 
And here he says, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. We see the tree of life in Genesis. We'll see it again at the end of the book of Revelation. But to be those ones who overcome, we want to be people that love Jesus. Do you love him? Next, we get to the church in Smyrna, a shorter letter. But here's the question I want you to ask yourself here. Are you ready to die? Are you ready, if it comes to it, to give your life for Christ and even not afraid of that. It seems that this church was a persecuted church. Verse nine tells us about their tribulation and their poverty and slander of those that say that they are Jews and are not, but are synagogue of Satan. That's likely referring to kind of a false teaching that we've seen going all the way through Acts. You think of one of the main people that persecuted Paul were Jewish people who did not reject Jesus as the Messiah. And Paul even writes, you know, they may be physically sons of Abraham, but they are not truly people of faith. They are not living as descendants of Abraham. So in that sense, they're claiming to be Jews, but are are not because they have not put their faith in the Messiah. But then he tells him in verse 10, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for 10 days, you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. So there he says, don't be afraid, but be faithful unto death. And then there's kind of two promises here. He says, I will give you the crown of life. And then at the end, he says to the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. So God calls us to not fear death and he calls us to be faithful, even if it costs us our lives, because we should be looking ahead. I'm looking for the crown of life. Hey, you may kill me in this life, but that can't really harm me because I won't be a victim to the second death. Do you have that kind of confidence? If it came to that, that you would be faithful unto death. That's a good question for us from this letter to Smyrna. Next, the letter to the church in Pergamum. And the question I would ask you here to ask yourself is, are you doctrinally pure? It seems that there were some good things about this church. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. So there must be something intense going on in this place. Yet you held fast my name and you did not, you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. So here's a specific person who it looks like from this language was martyred for his faith and the church is remaining faithful. So you would think, great, th- this church is, is doing great. But then he says, but I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food, sacrifice to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who have held, who hold the teachings of the Nicolaitans, therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. Yikes. Well, what's the problem here? There is false teaching that is creeping into the church, the teaching of Balaam, the teaching of the Nicolaitans. And we don't know exactly what these things. He describes the uh, the teaching of Balaam more. The Nicolaitans, he doesn't give us much, but clearly these were teachings that were not true, that were not right. And so are you doctrinally pure? Is that something, hopefully reading Second Peter, reading Jude, hopefully those books raised your alertness to the reality of false teaching. 
But are you being cautious to, I want to stay true to the Bible. I don't want to get caught up in some teaching that's actually leading me away from the Bible or misapplying the Bible. Are you doctrinally pure? And here we see the promise. It says, to the one who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on it, on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. And then finally, we see the church in Thyatira. And here the question I want you to ask yourself is, are you sexually pure? Again, there's some good things about this church. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works succeed the first. These are good things. But I have this against you that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead. And all the church will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. Jesus, with those eyes like a flame of fire that we saw back in chapter one, searches mind and heart. And he knows what's going on with you. Are you walking in purity in your actions, in your mind, in your heart? Because Jesus knows and he will give to us according to our works. These are strong words here. And I think we would do well to heed that warning from the letter to the church in Thyatira. Uh, Later, it says, To the one who conquers and who keeps my works unto the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. So again, we see these promises, but I think there's good questions for us to take from each of these letters. From the letter to Ephesus, do you love Jesus? The letter to Smyrna, are you ready to die? Pergamum, are you doctrinally pure? And Thyatira, are you sexually pure? And we'll get three more letters tomorrow. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.